let's just give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Another display of praise in this place. There's nobody like our God. There's not one like him in all the earth. They said he's holy. That means he's set apart. That means you can search all over, but you won't find nobody that do you like Jesus does. Nobody that heals like him. Nobody that comforts like our God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First, giving honor to God, I would like to just thank God and thank Pastor Nate for this preaching opportunity in his absence as he even prepares to preach himself. Just thank, thankful for the mentorship and the guidance of our pastor. Thankful that we have a loving pastor and a, and a, a pastor who cares. As we uh, prepare to dive into the word today, we're going to be finishing up our series on Jonah. And Jonah 4 will be our text for today. Jonah 4, 1 through 11. Jonah 4. Verses 1, concluding at the 11th verse. And I will ask that you would stand with me for the reading of the word of God. Amen, amen. Jonah 4, 1, and it reads, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not, is this, is, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind 
and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Verse 10, and the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120 persons who do not know their right hand from their left? and also much cattle. You may be seated. If you would join me in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come right now, Lord God, at this preaching hour. Lord, just asking for your guidance, Lord God, asking for your power, your spirit, Lord, your anointing, Lord God. I ask right now, Lord God, that you take my weak and feeble words, Lord God, and you accomplish everything that it is your will to accomplish in your people, Lord God. I ask right now that we receive a word from the Lord from you today, Lord God. And we'll be forever mindful to give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory, Lord God, for truly it all belongs to you. And it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. Amen. And if you would accept a, a title for this text today of accepting the mercy of God, accepting the mercy of God. And um, so I don't, I don't know how many of you have ever been in trouble before. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how many of you ever found yourself in a situation that ended you up in a spot where you were depending on the mercy and the kindness of someone else. I know I have. <laughs> so growing up, I, I was, I, I think my, my second grade teacher described it best, I was a rambunctious child, just filled with just nothing but life and wanted to go all the time, and, and this, this way that I was ended me up in trouble a lot. It ended me up in trouble in church. I remember being yanked by the ear by some of the church mothers in my, <laughs> in my youth. I remember it, it ended me up in trouble in my community because back then, if an adult saw you acting up, the word was gonna make it back to your home before you did. And it wasn't going to be anything nice if someone had something negative to say to your mom or dad or parents about how you were acting. And with this bad system, I think the, the, of accountability in my childhood, it ended me up in situations where I had to depend on the mercy of others a lot. And I remember in, in elementary school, we were in Little Rock, Arkansas at the time, uh, Arnold Drive Elementary, and my assistant principal was Miss Hudson. I, I still remember her name, and I probably will never forget it because I was in her office more than I was in my classroom. 
It's something about sitting still in a classroom that just did not do well with me. And I ended up in the principal's office more times than I can count. So much so that my parents had an agreement with Miss Hudson so that they could save on gas from coming on down to the school and whooping me in the bathroom and sending me back to class. <laughs> that they gave permission to Miss Hudson to be able to discipline me in whatever ways that she saw fit. And this terrified me to no end because Miss Hudson did not play. And she was tired of seeing me <laughs> in her office. So as I got in trouble still, and a couple paddlings in, I think Miss Hudson felt bad for me because even Miss Hudson, she made an agreement with me that if I just told the truth, if I just told the truth about why I was in the principal office, she, she would show me mercy. She would not paddle me. She wouldn't break out the paddle on me. So all I had to do was, was tell her the truth, which was terrifying. Sometimes the truth about ourselves is the most terrifying thing that we can face. Actually saying it out of our mouth, why did you do what you did? But I found the more that I told the truth, the less the paddles came, and the more grace that this woman showed me. So at the mercy of Miss Hudson, first through sixth grade, I found her to be a compassionate woman who actually did care about my well-being. She was kind. And after all those years, she was slow to anger. And, and similarly so, we find ourselves in that position with the Lord. If we just confess what we did, if we just tell the truth about our situation sometimes, and we submit to the mercy of our God, we see in our text that he is a merciful God, one who is slow to anger, and quick to forgive, one who is characterized by his steadfast love and his abundant mercy. Jonah found this out in, verse, in chapter 2 when he cried out to the Lord, even though he was in the middle of his rebellion. When he cried out to the Lord, the Lord heard his cry. And when he cried for mercy, he found God to be a merciful God, one who was slow to anger and quick to forgive. And even the, even the people of Nineveh, we see in our text in, in chapter 3, that even when they repented of their great evil, and it was, their, the list of their evils was long, but when they repented before the Lord, grieved their sin, agreed with God about what their sin was, they even found our God to be a gracious God, one who was slow to anger and quick to forgive. Does anybody know our Lord to be, has anybody else found him to be a God who is gracious, filled with abounding love for his people? That is a great mercy. We're talking about mercy today. And a part of God's mercy, a part of accepting God's mercy is really figuring out and knowing what it is and just how much we need it. God's mercy is the only reason any of us right now breathe. We are all sinners. And the word of the Lord says that the wages of sin is death. So we are all, are all worthy and, and deserve 
death. But God, being rich in mercy, even after finding us dead in our trespasses and sins, he lavished mercy on us. That means he, he did not give us what we deserve. He relented from judgment in order to save our life. And we see that our God is one who does not change. He is no respecter of man or person. And if he did it for you, he, he will do it for me. If he did it for Jonah, he will show up the same way in Nineveh. And this is where we find ourselves in our text today. Our running prophet, who was so reluctant to do the word of the Lord, finally went down to Nineveh and gave a five-word sermon in the Hebrew, saying that God will overturn your city in 40 days, and then he left. I don't know about you, but that's not a very good sermon. It's just, it's just doom. But God turned those five feeble words, those five unenthusiastic, like all those five just bare minimum words that Jonah gave Nineveh, and he did a great work in the city of Nineveh. Every man, every woman, every boy, every child, even down to the cattle were repenting of their sins and changing their ways. The king of Nineveh, as evil as he is recorded to be, decreed that no one would murder, no one would, everyone would turn from their murdering, everyone would turn from their wicked ways, and he decreed that from the throne. And he led by example by grieving the sin of Nineveh. And we see in verse 3, in, in chapter 3, verse 9, these are the words of the king of Nineveh. He, he repents from his sin, he decrees it, and then he turns it over to the Lord. He turns his entire city, he turns his kingship over to the Lord, and he says in verse 9, chapter 3, verse 9, he says, Who knows? God may relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish, and he did. Our God... Verse 10, it says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of disaster that he said that he would do to them, and he did not do it. Now, the prophet of the Lord, the, Jonah should have been over right there, y'all. Jonah rebels against the Lord. The Lord rebukes Jonah. Jonah is obedient to the word. He preaches God's sermon and a great revival happens in Nineveh, the, the book should have been over there. It's a nice, clean little bow. It, it has a nice message of obey God and good things will happen, disobey God and bad things will happen, right? But no, our human condition calls for a chapter four because it's not always a nice little bow. We see in our text that we're not always happy about how God relents from his mercy, from his anger. We're not always enthused by how God works in and around our lives. We see right now that the prophet of the Lord was angry with God. He was angry with God because he had haters before. Sometimes we tear down because we want others to pay. We tear down the very grace and the mercy that God has even saved us with. So in order to tear that down, we, we remove it from our own lives. While you're so quick to judge others harshly, 
he was willing to, to have mercy on you. Matthew 7 and 1, it says, be careful how you judge others. Because of that same measure, he will judge you with. And that goes into our second point. God, God's mercy offers us, we want it now. We want, we want the overnight gourd to, to be an everlasting gourd. It's not an everlasting gourd. It's a temporary pleasure. It's a temporary fix to the problem. And, and this is what God is trying to, to tell Jonah. God's mercy offers true comfort. When we relinquish those, that control that we think we have in those situations, when we accept God's mercy, whether he chooses to take or whether he chooses to give, when, when we come to a spot where we are truly at the mercy of our Lord, that is when we find him to be truly a comfort in God. That is, that is that true comfort that is going to bring us through those truly difficult situations. When we learn to trust our Lord and our God as our Savior of, of our physical and spiritual beings, that is when we are going to be able to experience peace. Some of us have anxiety right now because we know we've taken a shortcut on how he has instructed us to, to do life. We, we are waiting on that thing to fall apart because we have been silencing God and what that hard thing he is telling us to do. Some of us are just waiting for it to fall apart. Some of us are just waiting for that worm to take that gourd away. You haven't been truly angry at God yet, but it's because you're still trying to save that relationship that he doesn't want you in. You're still trying to, to, to use distance as a fix for peace inside of these different relationships with your family, your friends, your children. He is calling us to do the harder thing. The harder thing for Jonah to do was forgive. What, what is the harder thing for us to do today? What is he calling us to? How is he calling us to surrender and sacrifice? What is he calling you right now to give up? And this, he, he, he sends all these things to make him uncomfortable. And then he asks another question. And it's similar to the first question after he saved Nineveh. He, he asked again, does it do you well to be angry? And he responds out of anger. Or, well, I read it as he responds out of anger. He says, yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. Jonah is willing to die in his rebellion against God. He said it with his own mouth that only those, only those who are worshiping false gods would turn their back on the, on the mercy of God. So the mercy of God says that I'm going to save Nineveh and I'm going to redeem them and I'm going to make their disobedience hearts obedient down to their cattle. I'm going to do a work in Nineveh and they will bring me glory. But justice in Jonah's eyes says that they, they can't live for, for what they've done to me, for what they've done to Israel, for how they have sinned. He wants justice in the way of them dying from the destructive hand of the Lord. And God says, no, 
And in order to pursue his version of justice, he must turn his back on what God has already ordained. Some of those things that God is trying to speak to us in, some of those areas that God is trying to be able to speak and be Lord in your life in, it's pointing out these heart idols. It's pointing out something that you would not want to lose rather than lose the relationship with God. Like you are, you're literally walking away from a relationship with God, a close relationship with God, in order to pursue something that's not going to last. You, you, are, you are taking pleasure in things that God knows. God knows is a temporary thing. Instead of experiencing the internal pleasures and lordship and grace and mercy of a loving God. And one of, the, one of the best things about this book, and it's debated all over, is what did Jonah do? How did Jonah respond? It ends with God speaking in 10 and 11. It says, and the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make grow, which came into being a night and perished in a night. It was temporary. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city which there are more than 120 thousand persons who do not know their right hand from their left. They were in spiritual darkness and also much cattle. And it leaves us in this cliffhanger of what will happen to Jonah. And I, I come to give you no answers on if Jonah repented of his sins, of his, the hate that is in his heart for Nineveh. But I offer a question to you. Does it do you well to be mad at God's mercy? Does it do you well to, to hide those things that God is trying to expose in your life in order to be lured at? What will you do today? Will you forgive that person that you know God wants you to show love and forgive? Or will you hold on to your grudge? I find comfort in how Jonah ends. I find comfort because I see him as that loving shepherd in verse 10 and 11, who while the 99 sheep in Nineveh are found, the one sheep on the hill looking down on the other ones in jealousy, bitterness, hate, and rage is lost. And who is God spending time with? Who is God speaking to yet and still, even in his rebellion? Romans 5, 8, it says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He intervened in our situations. Right now, I find comfort in the story of Jonah because we have a God who will seek and save the lost. He has a passion for seeking and saving those ones with that hard heart toward his commands. He wants the very best for us even when we are trying to reject it with everything that we got. He doesn't want us to die in our rebellion, in our sin. He wants us to turn to him because his way is easy. His burden is light. That hurt, sometimes we think God doesn't know about that hurt. Sometimes we think that God wasn't there when that happened to you. You weren't there when, you, when it happened. You, you don't have enough information, God, to make the decision like I did. I was there, but so was he. And we see even in Jonah's rebellion situation, he was there. When Jonah much rather faced the violent ways of the ocean, he was there. When Jonah decided to rebel, God knew. 
God knew and he was there and he was still speaking. He was still being that good shepherd who would leave the 99 in order to pursue the one. Would you bow with me in the word of prayer? Dear gracious and heavenly Father, Lord God, we come to you thankful for who and how you are today, Lord God. We are thankful for your grace and we are thankful for your mercy, Lord God, that you have lavished on our lives, Lord God. Even when we did not deserve it, Lord God, you were there. And right now, it may be somebody in rebellion even today, Lord God. Allow them to know that they're not too far gone. The story of Jonah may be over, but it doesn't have to be over for us today. He is available and he makes his comfort, mercy, and grace available for us today, Lord God. Do the work in our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.